Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Jeremiah reveals God's righteous judgment upon his people Israel for their many sins and the idolatry that had overtaken them. But if we look carefully and consider this book in the light of the entire Bible, we see that in the midst of all this negative history, God's economy, that is, his desire to dispense himself and his riches into his chosen people that they might be reconstituted with him and become his very corporate expression is also revealed. In the first pages of Jeremiah's account, God commissions him to tell all the people that their greatest evil is that they have forsaken him, not as their creator nor even as their God, but as the fountain of living waters. Francis Ball has joined us again for our fellowship today in uh, three chapters in Jeremiah 15, 16, 17. Francis, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much, Chris. I always enjoy having this kind of fellowship with you. I enjoy it also. And I, you know, going through one of these programs can sometimes have a high point and oftentimes has a low point because we see ourselves so often identified with Israel in the negative sense, but then we're restored as uh, God reveals once again his heart and his ultimate intention, which we call continually here in this uh, program, this ministry, God's economy. And that's really the focus of where we're at today once again, isn't it? Yes, this is a marvelous portion, even though it's not so easy to understand. Once you see that God's economy is here, you realize that Jeremiah was not a popular prophet. He was always persecuted because he spoke the truth about God's judgment and about the failure of Israel to follow God and to remain with him as the fountain of living water. Reminds me a lot of our own situation. When uh, Brother Lee came to this country and began to speak the truth about where we were as Christians and where God wanted to bring us to dispense himself into us, and to realize that we are under God's surveillance. <laughs> We're under God's judgment, right. and we, he sees us, and so he speaks the truth. Here, Jeremiah really speaks the truth concerning Israel, and that brings a lot of persecution to him and a lot of crying out to Jehovah to vindicate him. And we've seen a similar kind of scene in this ministry, that there's been a real setting forth of the truth that's not always so popular with God's people, but it's the best thing for God's people because he has a way to reconstitute us 
to make us what he wants to be as a corporate people for his name. And a program we presented recently talking about this same point, this matter of God's economy being really embedded in this book and how Jeremiah, in a very real sense, is a kind of an abstract of the whole Bible. We realize that God's intention, Francis, once his judgment has been taken care of and there is his righteousness that compels him to do so, but his heart continually comes back to this matter of his economy, his desire to impart himself. And that is uh, so much what he is saying here to Israel again and again, of course, judging them for their sins, which they must be accountable for, as uh, are we, but the focus even of his chastisement and judgment is not just to punish, but to really restore them back to himself as this fountain of living waters that he describes in chapter two, isn't it? Isn't that marvelous that there would be such a God with such a heart and such a purpose that no matter how much we forsake him, he still comes back again. Of course, as you said, because he is righteous, he has to judge sin. And certainly Israel had fallen away from God had forsaken him as a living water, and had also created a lot of their own idols, which were no gods, to follow them. So he uh, has to speak this, and he has to warn them. And Jeremiah is a faithful prophet to warn the people of God of their having forsaken Jehovah. And I think we need a similar word today to warn us. When we forsake Christ as the living water, as our daily food and our drink and everything that we need, we really are offending God and his righteousness will have to be vindicated. Well, let's come to these verses in the three chapters we're talking about today, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, Long chapters, we're only going to take uh, short portions of them that are, I think, indicative of the burden that is coming forth in all three of these chapters. And we really see, again, God's economy is very clearly now unveiled in these three seemingly difficult negative chapters. You mentioned Jeremiah had been raised up by the Lord as a young man and commissioned by him to speak forth God's word to this rebellious and evil and apostate people, Israel, and he had suffered a lot as a result of this. And so we pick up the conversation now, and Jeremiah is somewhat at a low point, and he's complaining even to his mother. And uh, unbeknown to him and his mother, Jehovah enters the conversation as a third party, even as a third human almost participating here. And so I think that helps us understand now the context as I read these verses, beginning in chapter 15. Woe is me, my mother, because you bore me, a man of strife, and a man of contention to the whole land. I have not lent with interest, nor have they lent to me, yet everyone curses me. Jehovah said, now the Lord enters the conversation at this point, surely I will set you free for your good. Indeed, I will cause the enemy to make supplication to you in a time of trouble and in a time of distress. Can one break iron from the north or bronze? O Jehovah, Jeremiah says now, you know, remember me and visit me and avenge me of my persecutors. Do not let your long suffering for them prevail and have me taken away. Know that for your sake, I bear reproach. Your words were found and I ate them and your word became to me the gladness and joy of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Jehovah, God of hosts. A nice conclusion to this little uh, three-party conversation, isn't it, Francis? I should say, I like this verse, particularly verse 16 in this chapter, chapter 15, because it says, Thy words were found, 
Your yeah. words were found, and I ate them. <laughs> that didn't mean that he was found them so delicious, but because he was so faithful to the Lord, we ate the word, and the word came out according to God. Right. So he spoke the truth with the people, and this became a joy to him. Yeah, it's a wonderful passage. Even in the midst of his suffering, the persecution going on, when he ate God's word, not only did he have the faithful thing to speak, but it also became to him, he says, the gladness and joy of his heart. Yeah. Wow, we should have such an experience daily, shouldn't we? Best thing to do is to eat the word. Absolutely. All right, let's join Witness Lee for his fellowship today. If you put all these two chapters together, 15, 16, 17, you could see there is a full picture of God's economy by his dispensing. Firstly, the uh, prophet was uh, somewhat disappointed. He talked to his mother. Well, unconsciously, God joined their talk. By this talk, God's economy is what? Unveiled. This morning, after further consideration, I believe I got to understand that verse in chapter 15, verse 13. Can anyone break iron, even the iron from the north? Well, there, Jeremiah's view is this. God was intending to judge Israel. So God sent Jeremiah to tell his people that they will be punished by the Babylonians. Then the people persecuted Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah was disappointed, talking to his mother that woe is to him. Then God came in. God came in to comfort him and assure him he will punish Israel. The Aaron, I believe, should refer to the uh, northern Babylonians. Uh, Babylonians here should be likened like an urn. The urn surely will come. And no one can break it. Not only the urn, but also the bronze. Uh, then the talk, the conversation between three parties was going on. Then Jeremiah took the chance to pray to Jehovah. Oh, Jehovah, you know. You know. I'm under persecution. Remember me and visit me. Francis, an account of the history here. Again, we see the, the Lord entering this conversation between Jeremiah and his mother. But I'd like to come back, if we could, to where we were um, fellowshipping before we went into that section and about uh, this matter of finding his words and even eating them. It comes right out of the pages of Jeremiah, but uh, you mentioned it that... Uh, this is even a possibility or an approach to God's Word that we can enjoy each day in our own experience. Talk about that a bit. You know, uh, in my experience, Chris, this verse came to my attention years ago, and I didn't know how to eat the Word. I thought just to hear it. So one time I was uh, fellowshipping with a group of young people, and I used this verse. Mm -hmm. My words were found, and I did eat them, and I held the Bible up to my ear. <laughs> but I don't eat with my ears, so I somehow I realized that wasn't such a good demonstration. And later I learned, even from this ministry, I learned quite much later that to eat the Word is to exercise the Spirit by praying with the Word. 
Yeah. When we pray with the Word, we actually can eat the Word. And I believe that's what Jeremiah was doing. He was taking God's Word concerning this very serious and negative thing that he was having to report and to speak to the children of Israel. And it became the Word of God in him. While it was difficult and it brought a lot of persecution to him to speak these things that were true, yet because he ate the Word, he found the gladness and the joy of his heart in right. this Word. Right. So I believe we could have the same kind of experience if we eat the Word and take it regardless of how we feel it will affect us. And that no doubt strengthened and sustained him even through these low periods and gave him kind of a capacity and ability to endure, to remain faithful uh, through all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah, we saw early on in this life study, he was a young man. He wasn't really a tower of strength, but the Lord very much sustained him. And here I think we get a real window into how, at least partially, he was sustained. And it was by taking the very word God was giving him and turning that into his own prayer exercising his inner being over that very word. That's what made him so effective and so faithful to God because he matured, even though as a young man, of being one with God in what God had to say to the people. Well, let's jump forward a bit into chapter 17. Verse 13 says, You are the hope of Israel, O Jehovah. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from me will be written in the earth because they forsook Jehovah the fountain of living waters. Here's a good example of Jeremiah really taking uh, the Lord's word and praying it back to him, isn't he here? In these chapters, even though, again, as we've mentioned, there's so much negative going on, Witness Lee is going to point out that we will see some very positive points all related to God's economy. So let's go back for that. If you put all these three chapters together, 15, 16, 17, you can see all these positive points. Number one, the Word of God is good for us to enjoy, to make our heart joyful. This is the nourishment from their divine supply as food to us. And we know all kinds of food, they do have the element of nourishment. And this nourishment indicates God dispensing of his riches into our very inner being to nourish us that we may be constituted with the divine element. Then we have a strong point that we are just God-planted trees and God planted us by himself as a river of water to us. So here, God is likened to the water. God is not only our food, but also our drink to match the food. And this is a further dispensing of God's riches into our being to just supply us with the rich element of God with which we could be constituted to be divine. We human beings could be constituted divine. This is marvelous. Then there's another point. Eventually, one who trusts in this very God, who nourishes us, who waters us, this one will just enjoy the fountain of the living water. So these four things, 
the food, the water, the very God, and the fountain of living water, they four are one. You couldn't believe in such a portion concerning God's chastisement over his sinful and evil people, these four basic points of the divine thought concerning God's economy toward his people by his dependence is fully revealed. Good continuation here, Francis, of the fellowship we were just enjoying by taking him in his word, as the word, and really praying it. We're eating him. So there's the first of these positive elements we see God as our nourishment. But there's three other strong positive points here in this section, aren't there? Yes. You have God presenting himself as food, as water, as God himself, and as a fountain of living water. Wow. My, it's so marvelous in such a negative portion with so much revelation concerning God's judgment of his people, we could still see God's real intention from the very beginning is to dispense himself into his people. So this should be a real uh, encouragement to us in the midst of all that's happening on the earth today and in the earth today. Still, there's this positive aspect that we're enjoying, and that is that God is dispensing his very life and nature into our being that we can be the same as he is in life and nature. When Israel forsook the Lord, Jehovah, as the fountain of living waters, that really led to, or there was an eventual result there that all these negative things came in. So I think part of the lesson for us is that if we don't have this kind of daily continual contact with the Lord as our food, as our water, as the very one we trust, as the fountain of living waters, then what happens in our daily life is just almost an automatic end result, isn't it? Yes, that's true. And I think we need to be really alerted to the fact that Israel was now being pled with to turn from their evil ways and from their idol worship and from all the things that they had engineered and produced after God had come to them and given them a picture of himself in the law and also nourished them through the wilderness. Yet they had turned away from him and even started manufacturing their own idols. So this is a warning to us to turn from everything that's not of God, that's not God himself. So I I feel this is a real warning to us as well as a nourishment to us how to enjoy God as life. In chapter 17, the Lord continues and brings the people of Israel through Jeremiah to another item that may seem to be unrelated, but I believe by the time we're finished with uh, Witness Lee's portion today, we'll see very clearly that the matter that I'm talking about, which is the Sabbath day, is very much related to this economy of God that we've been talking about, the dispensing, experiencing him as our food and water, which ushers us into a kind of a a rest and enjoyment and satisfaction that is really what is typified by the Sabbath rest. So let's go back to Witness Lee for our final portion today. Christ is put out as Jehovah to be our righteousness. Also as the shoot sprouting out of David. Jehovah as a witness refers to Christ's divinity. The shoot to a sprout refers to Christ's humanity. Such a Christ is revealed. And this Christ is the one who is going to be our life. Based upon his redemption and God's justification to be our life. And this life is nothing less than Christ as Jehovah 
to be the fountain of the living water. And in this fountain, you have all things concerning God for our enjoyment. Then eventually, we just have to learn lesson. We don't need to do anything. We just rest in this fountain and enjoy this fountain. This is to keep Sabbath. The very significance of keeping the Sabbath God set up is to take this fountain of living water as our rest and as our satisfaction. We are just satisfied with all what he has done, with all what he has accomplished. We don't need to do anything. Who would do the work? Those who forsook Jehovah. They don't have any way to get satisfaction, to rest. So they have to labor. They have to hew. They have to hew out so many broken cisterns. That is foolish, you know. In the ancient time, the people who were busy to do this, to that, on the Sabbath, all those were the ones who forsook Jehovah. And all the ones who trusted in Jehovah, surely on the Sabbath, they will say, Hallelujah. Amen. Another day for us to rest in our God, to get ourselves satisfied even for His satisfaction. So he will rise with us, and we will rise with him to enjoy him for eternity. Well, this is God's economy, right? To show us Christ. Francis, let's talk about this matter of the Sabbath. Just as the fountain of living waters is a kind of a type, it's a symbol. Of course, uh, Jehovah's not talking about an actual uh, spring coming out of the ground somewhere. Surely this matter of the Sabbath is also a type and a figure, isn't it, that really depicts our experience of Christ? Yes, it is, Chris, and I feel so encouraged and satisfied that he brings all this about his judgment against the evils of Israel, and he ends up showing how they can enter into a Sabbath rest. Yes. And the fact that he gave a Sabbath day was a picture of what he intended man to be, a rest to him. He wanted to rest himself, accomplishing everything by dispensing himself into us. And then if we try to keep working after he's already accomplished everything and just dispensing what he is into us, if we keep on working, we're only making our work an idol and we're forsaking the fountain of living water. So he wants us to rest, to trust in him, to not do anything, but to just absorb him. Take him in, let him dispense himself into us, that every day we could live in the enjoyment of a Sabbath rest. We're in the age of a Sabbath rest if we just receive all that God has done in Christ and let him work himself into our being. We will have rest, we'll have enjoyment, we'll have God himself, we'll have all the things that he's mentioned already as water, the food, everything Mm. is ours in this Sabbath rest without our laboring. So for myself, I'd like to just stop all the effort and come just before the Lord, eat his word, rest in him, take him as my life, my food, my drink, my everything, and enjoy this Sabbath rest. Yeah, Witness Lee has pointed out, and many other Bible teachers have pointed out uh, before, that man's first day was God's uh, 
seventh day of rest. And so uh, this was really how a man is brought onto the scene, into the enjoyment. And it's a mutual enjoyment there. This is a day that not only is man uh, resting and uh, full of satisfaction, but also God is resting yeah, and, right. is, uh, and being satisfied as well. If he doesn't get his rest, then what he has to do is come and judge. Yeah. But if we would open to him and let him complete everything, do everything himself, he will rest and we will rest. And we will have a great enjoyment of resting in God and God resting in us. Well, Francis, I feel like we've gotten a little uh, food, a little nourishment, a little water, and uh, and some rest and satisfaction today as well. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord for uh, his presence and his supply today. Amen. Thank, thank you. Thank you for your help as well. Our time is up. We always like to end the program with an invitation that you would uh, contact us. We'd love to get the printed life study messages to you and tell you about the other resources here at the Living Stream Ministry. And all of that is available if you'll contact us toll-free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.